morning, church. Good morning, those who are watching online. And why am I so excited? Because over the next three weeks, I get to talk about what I love to talk about, missions. The theme for this year's missions convention is All for Jesus. And we know that Sophia went out early Tuesday morning to Haiti uh, from our church. And on Wednesday, Wednesday, she just, she got there Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday at noontime, I received this. Hi, Pastor Jeff. I have successfully landed in Haiti. And one of the first things we are doing is the water program graciously funded by our church. This is just one-fourth of the jugs that have to be filled and brought to families in need of clean, fresh water today. I mean, she, she doesn't even get, she's on the ground and working already. Isn't that awesome? And thank you for your contributions to missions. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is on his second missionary journey, and he and Silas are in Thessalonica. Now, Scripture says that for three Sabbaths, for three Sabbath days, they went into the synagogue, which was their custom, and they just talked and reasoned with the Jews. And they were instructing, they were teaching, And they were explaining and proving how it was necessary for Christ to die and to be raised from the dead. Scripture says that there were some Jews who were persuaded and they followed Paul and Silas along with some devout Greeks and some predominant women. So as you lead a little bit further in Acts chapter 17, the the Jews, they get jealous. They're upset. And they find some wicked men. They form a mob. And they set the city in an uproar. There's a riot. They're trying to find Paul and Silas. They go to the house of Jason where they thought he was. He's not at the house of Jason, but they drag Jason and his friends out to out of the house into the city square before the city authorities. And they say, these men who have turned the world upside down have come to us. These men who have turned the world upside down, they're now among us. And they're using it as an accusation. But when you really think about it, isn't it a compliment? I pray that Sophia turns Haiti upside down for Jesus Christ. I pray that Mike and Polly turn Bolivia upside down for Jesus Christ. And as a great commission church, one who values the great commission... May it be said of First Assembly of God that we are turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ through our missions program. What I've noticed in Scripture is that first, God shakes us up. 
And then he uses us to shake the world. Have you ever known that in scripture? He usually shakes us up. And then he uses us to shake the world. When God wanted to change the world, he called Noah to do something he's never done before. Build an ark. To prepare for something he had never seen before. Rain. Kind of interesting. When God wanted to bring forth a great nation, he called a successful businessman in his middle age, a fellow by the name of Abram, to leave his family and to leave his hometown to go to a place that I will show you. When God wanted to deliver his people, he found a man who was slow to speak, a fellow by the name of Moses, and told Moses, hey, I want you to go to Egypt and have a conversation with Pharaoh. When God needed some spies hid in Jericho, he found Rahab. When God needed someone to fight a giant named Goliath, he called a little shepherd boy by the name of David. When God needed to spare the Israelites, the Jews of destruction, he called a young girl by the name of Esther. And when Jesus needed a board of directors, he went out and found some fishermen, some tax collectors, a man who was impulsive by the name of Simon and, and two brothers who were given the name Sons of Thunder to change the world. First, he shakes us up and then he uses us to shake the world. My text this morning comes from a very familiar passage of Scripture in Matthew. A very strategic passage. Where chapters 5, 6, and 7. Jesus lays down the principle of his kingdom. He lays down the principles of his kingdom in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And then after the Sermon on the Mount, you come to chapter 8 where he heals a man with leprosy. He heals the son of the centurion servant. He heals his mother-in-law. He calms the sea. He casts demonic spirits out of a man into swines, into pigs, and they run and drown themselves in the sea. He heals a man who is paralyzed. He heals a woman who spent all her money on all the experts and all the specialists. Nobody could help her. Jesus healed this woman. Jesus raised a, a dead girl from the dead. He gave sight to the blind. He gave speech to those who were mute. In fact, it summarizes it this way. Jesus went through all the town and villages 
teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. He shakes us up. And then you know what he does in chapter 10? He sends his disciples out as missionaries. But right before chapter 10, there's an interesting passage of Scripture of how he prepares them as he has shaken them up. Something happens where these disciples went from spectators to participants, from spectators to missionaries. Right at the end of chapter 9, before he sends them out, Jesus saw the crowds. He saw the crowds. And he has compassion on them. Because he sees that they are harassed, they are helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. I want to talk about seeing for a moment. Because how many know you can see, but not see? You can see, but not see. Last night, Heather and I went out for some thin crust pizza and a salad. All done. The waiter brings the bill. And I see, and I'm like, man, I'm getting off cheap tonight. And I could have pulled out some money, laid it on the table, and left. But beyond seeing, sometimes you have to look. I saw, and I'm thinking to myself, why is it so cheap? And as I started to go beyond seeing to looking, I saw that they didn't add our salads to the bill. Well, hello, somebody. There's a test of your Christianity. Hello, come on. Is that a blessing from God? Or is it a test from God? We called the waiter over. I said, hey, man. Uh, he forgot to add our salads. He goes, oh my goodness. You guys could have taken advantage of us. But you're honest. I said, hey, I just want to sleep tonight. Sometimes we have to go beyond seeing the crowds. And we have to look. What am I saying? Sometimes in the midst of the crowd, we see and we see all the labels society have placed upon people. I, Mike, man, I loved your, your story, man. Your story fits right in. Here I go. They saw the son of a preacher man who was deaf. He couldn't hear. That's how society labeled him. But instead of just seeing they looked and saw his soul. They saw one made in the image of God. They go to this school that used to be a prison where kids, I, I visited prisons in Mexico before where the whole family is, man. It's just not cool. They see these kids who've been brought up in a prison because 
of their parents. And sable society labels them useless. But they looked beyond the labels that society placed upon them. And they saw ones who were made in the image of God. Listen, we have to, in amidst the crowd, we have to get beyond seeing. We have to look and see that each and every one, the person who puts gas in your car, the one who serves you coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, the one who waits on you when you go out, those who give you your dry cleaning, whoever it is in your community, you have to get beyond seeing and you have to look at their soul as one who's been made in the image of God. He saw. And because he went beyond seeing and looking, he, he felt compassion. That, that word compassion is, is actually the, the feeling in your bowels. Now, Today, we always feel with, I, I just feel in my heart. Do you know what I'm saying? I just feel in my heart. If someone's sharing something with you, you know, oh man, that just hurts my heart. But in the first century, they felt deeper and more inner. They felt in their gut. It's an emotional feeling that when you see and you learn, it's an emotional feeling where you just, oh, you, you, you feel emotional pain for their circumstance that you look beyond what society has labeled and you see a soul that's been made in the image of God and, and you realize, oh, they need Jesus. And with the feeling came knowing of their condition that they were sh like sheep without a shepherd. These people had no one to protect. Protect them. No one to care for them. No one to provide for them. And he uses two graphic words here in the original. He says harassed and help, uh, helpless. The word harass is a graphic word. It means to skin, to mangle, to fillet, to strip the flesh of. These people were like sheep that have been ripped, that have been skinned. They have been harassed, victimized by those and then just left to die. The word helpless, literally, to cast down from a mortal wound. To cast down from the mortal womb. The visual picture I get is, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan? The man who was on his way and he gets robbed. They stripped him of his clothes. And, and they beat him. And they leave him half dead alongside the road. That's what this crowd was like. Seeing. Feeling. Knowing. Do you understand what Jesus is saying to his disciples? He's shaking them up before he sends them out. Jesus is saying, here's the first step. You got to see. You got to feel. And then you got to know. 
Until you see, you will never feel. Until you feel, you will never know. If you never know, you're not going to care. If you don't care, you're not going to pray. And if you don't pray, you're not going to go. Eleven years ago, Phil, Joan, we were down in Guadalajara. Remember that mission strip? And I've actually been in touch with uh, Chris Abuso these last couple months just to see how he's doing with COVID. And, and remember that, Joan, I don't know if you'll remember. I got a picture I want to show you. Remember that girl, Lupita, in that poor area of Cole? Lupita was about 10 or 12. But what was so interesting about Lupita, Lupita is she was... We called her the mayor because she knew everything about everybody in the community. And Chris and Julie were just like, hey, where's so-and-so? Where's such-and-so? And she would just know everything about everybody. They called her the mayor. So uh, if you, for those on the mission trip, if you don't remember that area real well, well, it's the area that Pete had to show he could jump rope with all the kids. <laughs> That's just a precious picture, picture, man. And what Chris and Julie are trying to do in that area, they're working with a local church, and they want to build a community center, a church area for that impoverished area and looking to raise some funds, and we're just going to see what we can do as a church to help them at this time. But I went through this old PowerPoint, and I saw Lupita and I text Chris, I emailed Chris, I said, look what I found. And I texted him. I said, wasn't her name Lupita? Because from time to time, I pray for her. Because I went beyond seeing. I looked at her need, at her struggles, at what the future held for this girl in this impoverished area. And because of seeing and feeling and knowing and caring, I would pray for her. A day later, Chris emailed me back and he says, look what I found. That's Lupita, 11 years older. And if you look, a picture speaks a thousand words. And that's why we continue to pray for her. Because we saw, we felt, we cared. Until you see, you're not going to feel. Until you feel, you're not going to know. And if you don't know, you're not going to care. And if you don't care, you're not going to pray. And if you don't pray... You're not going to go. You're not going to give. This world is full of wounded, bruised, mangled, cast down, bleeding, slowly dying. And if we close our eyes, we will never see what Jesus saw. Oh, Lord, may you open our eyes to see beyond the labels that society places. And may we look into their soul and see one made in your image.
Well, he shakes them up before he sends them out. And then he says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. It's all about, if you're a farmer, it's all about the harvest. You plow the fields, you plant, you pray for rain, you weed it, you fertilize it, but it's all about the harvest. You know what's interesting about the harvest? J. Philip Hogan. Probably many of you don't even know who J. Philip Hogan is, but from 1959 for 30 years until, 18, until 1989, he served as the executive foreign mission director of Assemblies of God. I had the privilege of meeting him once. He was actually a cousin to the pastor I was with at Valley Chapel, Brother D'Angelo. Philip, J. Philip Hogan said this one time. You don't measure the harvest by what's inside the barn. But what's still left out in the fields? You don't measure a harvest by what's in the barn, but still what's left in the field. And Jesus said that the fields are white unto harvest. The fields are plentiful. It doesn't matter how many are saved. There are many more who still need Jesus Christ. Seeing a surprising opportunity, we then have a somber observation and and the somber observation is the the laborers are few you know why the laborers are few because harvesting is hard work sometimes you can be in a country for two years three years depending on what country and you may only get one convert you can go to other areas in a week's time have a hundred converts Sometimes the harvest fields are hot, dusty, rural. Man, I, I think about Sophia, the area she's in up in Haiti, man. <laughs> That's rural. Sometimes it goes beyond our comfort level. Judy was telling me the other day, you know, I don't know how it is. Sophia takes a shower every day, but when she's down in Haiti, she may take one every four days. And it doesn't bother her. You got to leave the comforts of home. You got to leave your family. You got to go to an area where they don't speak your language, they don't communicate. You got to learn the language. Harvesting is tough. It's a somber observation. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, the laborers are few. Therefore, we are given a solemn obligation as a church. Jesus says, I want you to pray. But here's the problem. If you don't see, you don't feel. If you don't feel, you don't care. If you don't care, you don't pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out. All right, I need to bring this to the close. That word send out, some translations send forth, is a real interesting Greek word. And I give this to you so we know how to pray. We are to pray to the Lord of harvest to what? Send out. Here's the Greek word. Ekbalo. Ekbalo. Ek means out. 
Balo means to throw. We are literally to pray that God would throw out people into the mission field. But now here's where it gets a little bit more exciting. You, you, know, you don't think of a pastor wanting to throw people out. Listen, man, if we throw people out into the mission field, that's what it's all about. And every one of us, when we leave, have our own mission field to go to today. Ekbalo is where we derive our English word ballistic from. Now, I'm not a, my son-in-law could do this better than I can. But ballistic, from what I understand, help me out, is when the hammer of the gun comes in contact with the bullet, it causes an explosion that penetrates the bullet out of the barrel. Boom! Hammer, bullet, explosion, a projection. Got it? How are we to pray? That God would unite a fire within the church that would become contagious and it would explode people out into the harvest field in our community, in our streets, in our families, to other countries. You know why? May we never lose sight that God's heartbeat God's heartbeat is always for souls. Not willing that any should perish, but what all have eternal life. God's heartbeat is always for souls. And you don't measure a harvest by what's in the barn, but what's still out there. Oh, may we see so that we can feel so that we can know so that we can care so that we can pray so that we can go participate Jesus shook him up and then chapter 10 he sends him out would you bow your heads with me thank you Lord thank you Jesus Open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our gut. Give us the ability to see beyond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you just stand as, before we partake of the elements, we'll ask you to sit in a minute, but just being conscious that, would you just stand for a few moments and, Can we just lift our voice in prayer, praise, in song? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Lord of the harvest, send a fire. Send a fire. Send a fire, God, that would just project us 
Give us a heart for souls. Lord. 